So welcome back, everybody, to the Money and Soul podcast. I am Baruch Halevi B, and I am here with my good friend and financial guru, Michael Feiner. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks so much, B. Yeah, it's uh, been a minute since we've um, done a podcast together, but uh, I think the the universe has called us, and partially I know that you've just been uh, working overtime right now with a crazy market um, over the past few weeks or months, and um, feel like that's probably the nature of our conversation today. What do you do when the markets are crazy, when it's, it feels like a wild roller coaster ride, and some of us, just uh, outsiders who are in the market but not experts on the market, all we do is feel fear in the roller coaster ride. Is that is that fair of where we've been the past few weeks? I think it's 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 very fair and it's a very timely podcast because, like you said, a lot of the conversations that we've had and that I'm having with a lot of people is about how to deal with the fear when the markets are very volatile. Involatile generally going down as opposed to there isn't a lot of fear when the markets are going up. But this is, you know, a very visceral fear for people because it leads to the issue of how long does a market decline or the volatility last? So, you know, if I was to be pushed to what I do, just like, you know, standing on one foot, as we say, if, if I had to boil it down, I would say at least a major part of what I do is help people understand that they're in fear, right? How are they? My teacher, Dr. Victor Frankel, author of Man's Search for Meaning and father of logotherapy, wrote a lot about this, but how do we react versus how do we respond? And when we're in fear, we react, right? It's just this basic primal animal nature of fight, freeze, or flight. And so I help people realize they're in fear and stop reacting and start responding. I don't think we're in such dissimilar businesses. No, I think that is exactly right. When the markets are going down, people's instate, instincts tend to kick in. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I'm grappling with now that uh, you've helped me through is trying to understand better that we sort of do have this fight, freeze, or flight, but that each person is different in how they do use those instincts. And that's important to understand, not only in myself, in the market goes down, how do I react or respond, as you, as you indicate, but also whoever we're helping, how do they respond? Because this is real. Yep. Yes. And, you know, we'll get into it. Um, if not today, then certainly in forthcoming podcasts, because we're both um, talking about it offline. And for, you know, for the listeners who don't know, I teach the Enneagram and the Enneagram is this ancient blueprint of personality and how our personalities develop. It's turned into a personality assessment like Myers-Briggs, like the DISC, but it's got ancient roots. It's far more nuanced and complex. But it comes down to seeing our reaction type, you know, like for instance, it, Enneagram means nine. So, and Graham is a picture. So it's a picture of nine. In fact, I'm just going to, not that we're going down this path, but just for people who haven't seen it, um, there it is, my handy dandy Enneagram. And there are nine basic reaction patterns. And so, you know, what you're talking about, Mike, and what the work I do is helping 
people deal with their particular fears, their reaction, because not everybody's is the same and not everybody reacts the same. Well, you've helped me do that, which I, I found fascinating. And it's I think it's very, very important to to understand that assessment so that when these times come, so a day like today where the market is say down persistently for a few weeks, how do we, you know, deal with that? And who are you dealing with and, and how to best communicate? Totally. And and the other thing I see right now is that it's not a single data point of fear, right? That um, it's so I read um did you ever read Malcolm Gladwell's books? Any of them? I read Blink, um, yeah. maybe a couple of others. Yeah, he's great. Another uh, one he wrote was Outliers. And in Outliers, he talked about one chapter. Every chapter is different. One chapter, he talked about planes crashing. And what he said was planes, you know, it's not like in Hollywood. Planes don't just fall out of the sky or blow up in midair. He said almost invariably, I think they found that seven things go wrong. And a lot of them are minor things. But there's almost inevitably multiple data points of failure before a plane crashes. And I've always taken away from that, that, you know, human beings can handle a single, we're single focused. We can handle a single thing, but when we're bombarded with multiple things, that's when our personal planes crash. That's when our lives start to crash. And I think part of what I'm seeing, and I would love to hear your opinion on this, Mike, is we've been bombarded in our society with so many different fear points, right? As of the last couple of years, you know, I have to tell our listeners, COVID and the economy and social unrest and environment. And, you know, this past week or two has been um, Ukraine and Russia potentially invading it. And so all of these things start to add up and feels like we're almost inundated and out of control with fear. Does that, does that resonate? It resonates completely because there always seems to be a certain level of fear, a threshold level of fear, and we seem to have new inputs into the fear that we have. Who would have thought, you know, six months ago we would have the fear that Russia might invade the Ukraine? Hmm. And who know, no one knows what that would mean. Mm -hmm. Not the invaders, not the Ukrainians, not the stock market, individuals. So, the uncertainty is is the super hard part. You mentioned new, new inflation. We haven't had inflation in 30 years effectively. So it's a whole new generation of inflation. So the uncertainty, the unknowns are, are causing the fear, the difficulty and the incomprehensibility of what, how do you do it? Because you've mentioned the Enneagram, which, which I do like a lot is you can try to intellectualize it in your head, but it feels different to me, maybe in my gut or mm -hmm. in, in other ways. And, and trying to process that is difficult. It is. And that's where the Enneagram really comes in to help identify your particular reaction pattern, your style. Um, and we'll get there. I want to come back to, though, before I forget, you know, I don't think a lot of our listeners or viewers know that you're also a general in uh, the United States National Guard, correct? Reti yes, reti retired now retired. from Massachusetts, yeah. Um, you know, when, when I was living in Mass, you were deployed a few times, so you've been in it, you know it, you see it. Um, you know, 
I think one of the things that just is terrifying for the layperson, let's say on, on Ukraine, on Russia, is that what you mentioned before is not knowing. Right. I imagine somebody who's been in war, who's experienced, you have a different data set that you can draw upon. And that's, um, I think, so important. You mentioned inflation, like if unless you're uh, if you're younger than 50, you really have never experienced inflation. This right. is really the first time. And I think that's part of the fear is the unknown. And that's what the Enneagram kind of brought to me, because, yeah, I. I probably deal with the war differently because it's a pattern recognition for me. I've maybe dealt with it. I'm older. We've, we've been through some of these things. So I, I know a little bit more what to expect. So I have less fear because it's not that it's not a dangerous situation, but the expectation of what might happen might be different for me versus someone else. Why people say, well, the stock market's going down, but you appear calm. Well, I've had it go down, you know, 45% of the time for 30 years. And I have that pattern recognition to know what the outcome is, but the person who's just invested doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it is different experiences do lead to different patterns. And the Enneagram is kind of, I know my pattern a little better now of how I do react to things. So now I'm aware of how I react, which I never thought about quite before. I sort of was self-aware, but to be pointed out, this is what, you know, is in some consonants and some dissonance for me. So let's let's um, let's let's run with that because, um, you know, we can. And yeah. it's our podcast. We could do whatever we want. Right. Um, we can. So yeah. we won't go deep into the Enneagram. Let's just um, really look at the one basic symbol in the middle, not the butterfly, which I put on there, um, but the triangle. <laughs> Because this actually, um, a lot of people believe that the Enneagram goes back to um, the ancient Greeks and mathematics and geometry. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of mathematics built into it. And I guess the triangle from a geometric point of view is the most elegant building block that there would be. I mean, if you think about how do you create a three, how do you create a stool? Two legs will not hold up a stool. There's a three component to it. Right. And so there's it's a primary um, element in building blocks. Well, the Enneagram says this also applies to the human experience. So there's three primary building blocks or centers of intelligence is what they call it. There's head, there's heart and there's body or gut. And depending on where you are on this triad up here, one, nine and eight are built around the um, gut triad. Over here is the um, seven, six, and five are built on the head triad. And over here is four, three, and two are built on the feeling triad. And so just we'll call that a day on the Enneagram. But to me, that's already a starting point because if I know somebody is on the gut triad, when they go into fear, their response is to either do something or do nothing. But it's an action space. I'm a gut guy, so I'm an eight, and I, I'll like run into the fire, <clears throat> into the fire head first. So if you know that about me, you know that your job, general, is to sit me down, right? Literally, just sit me down, and tell me to take a deep breath because I'll make a mess when I'm in fear, and my eight says charge. What happens in 
in the military when somebody's in fear and they run ahead, right? Probably bad things. No, I, I think you're right in the sense of when it, in a military situation, you have those people who are probably life too, have that gut reaction to do something, take action. Then they're the people who stay perfectly calm regardless of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Don't react either way. Mm-hmm. Almost like uh, ice in their blood, but I'm sure that's part of the Enneagram. And then there are the people who are, you know, some somewhat in between trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. So you definitely have those, you know, different pieces, whether it's battle. In the stock market, it's particularly true. If the market's down, the people who want to do something, to do something, maybe we better buy or we better sell. Mm-hmm. Right? Just need to act. Then there are people who, hey, let it ri- let's ride it out. I know over a long term it's going to go up or down. I, I want nothing. I don't want to even think about it. Then there are the people who are sort of in between, saying, "Well, should, you know, should I intellectually should we do something?" Yes. And are contemplating it to death. So it is very important uh, for the same people on the buy side too. Yes. And, you know, my experience of life is that whatever comes out of reaction, you know, in the moment, it may not be a big deal, but a sustained pattern of reaction never turns out well. I don't care if it's a relationship or the stock market or life, right? You can't live in this fight, freeze or flight unless you want to be an animal. And I love my dog. I love your dog, Apollo, but they don't have free will, the ability to pause to say, hey, Apollo, right? Take a deep breath. You're a golden retriever. You know, you're you're going to react. So let's come up with a better strategy. He doesn't have that luxury. God love him. But I do if I can come out of animal mode, fight or flight mode, reaction mode. And for me, that's B, take a deep breath and don't act. For a nine who's also in the body triad, they do the exact opposite. And I bet you have clients like this where it's, we need to light a fire here. Like we need to get going. We need to do something because they're in freeze, right? And knowing the difference between me and a nine is deeply important when we're in fear. That is very profound and I think very important because I know you've pointed out through my things that I'm a three. I assume that the one does the opposite might be much more emotional than I would be if the market's going down. So a three um, is even though it's an emotional center, um, threes really push their emotions down, which is great in emergency, right? Because I want somebody who's in the OR not to be emotional, the operating room or the ER or the um, battlefield or the market fluctuation. But as you, as you know, as well as I do, can't live on the battlefield, can't live in triage. And so if you've triaged and put your emotions away, when you come off the battlefield, we got to reclaim them, go back to them, pull them out, nurture them, because you can't live at this level of, um, of battle intensity. Now, does the one do the opposite? Is the one living with emotions on their sleeve type of thing? Or am I misinterpreting? Yep. So in the, in the emotional triad, one of them um, pushes them 
putting their emotions down. A two pushes their emotions down. A three really kind of detaches from emotions. And a four is overly emotional when in okay. reaction. And you know these people because it's just like, like a gushing of emotion when they're in fear. And a two will say, I have no, you know, it's not about me, it's about you. And we'll deal with your fears. And a three just goes away from emotion. That's so important to understand because as I work through some of these decisions and issues and, and thoughts, I, I can't explain something if someone's a four the way I interpret it. Right. Because they're feeling it so differently. So I think these things are so important, not only to the context of what we're talking about, which is money and investments, but it, it talks about the intersection of this podcast itself, which is money and soul, mm -hmm. and how the soul, your emotions, your head, your heart, your gut, interact with your decision making, which leads to are you making money, are you not, and money is a tool or, or means and understanding these pieces, I, I suspect it's making me a better adv advisor mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, a few things on that. Um, one is because money is, as we've talked about in the previous podcast, you know, that's why we call means a person of means. It's a means. It just happens to be the, the thing that's, taking us out into the world, right? But it can be relationships. It can be, I mean, there's all kinds of means. That's just one of them. Um, I think it's one of the most primal means because, uh, I mean, think about this. I just read a book. I can't remember which one. How many times a day does the average person think about money? And it, it wasn't like a few times. It was like 65 or 165. I mean, it was a lot. If you think about just little things like when's the Amazon package coming? That's a money transactional moment, you know, or, I mean, there's so many examples. So what percentage of our life is filled with money? Well, now if I'm attaching my fear to money and lots of people have fear around money, how many times a day am I in fear, in fear, in fear, reacting? Rea so it can be a great vehicle to really work on our fears. And that's why I think you and I are so committed to this podcast and this work is helping people deal with their fears through the means of money. Resonate? Make sense? Agree? Agree completely because the intersection of that is profound and very important from the perspective of it might be people's biggest fear, money. And and, you know, are we really dealing with the money or are we really dealing with the biggest fear? That's what's so interesting to me because True. money is the pretext for what's under what's underneath it. What's underneath that? Yeah. What's underneath that? And that's this work of the Enneagram and in life is can I start mastering myself? You know, Frankel talks about you and I have no control over the world. We, you know, we pretend we create illusions. We think we do. What do I really have control over? I don't control the earth spinning. I don't control the markets. I don't control the person coming on, head uh, coming towards me in traffic. What separates us? A little yellow line. It's an imaginary line. Like that's nothing. But I need the illusion of control. Frankel says, "What do I control? My response to whatever's happening." 
And so the work is, am I really controlling even that? And usually no, usually I'm on autopilot, I'm reacting, but I don't wanna live like my dog, God love him. I want to choose my response. And that's when we start studying this going, well, what is B's response? Like, what is my response? I thought, for instance, eights are dominated by anger. We're the angry type. And so I thought anger was me choosing it to, you know, and it's usually around justice or injustice. Martin Luther King, as an example, was an eight. But there's a man who, who achieved mastery because he harnessed his anger and he used it for good, right? He didn't, I mean, it's, it's so interesting too. He was all about nonviolence. So he harnessed his anger for justice. But that was a man who achieved mastery. Can I harness my anger and do good? Right? Or when fear kicks in, am I going to be dominated by my anger? That's my work. Um, so each type has their issue, their area, their um, passion is what it's called in the Enneagram world. And money triggers it. Money brings it up. I like your how you articulate harnessing it. So if we know what our response or our pattern is in our Enneagram, and we know that's our animal instinct effectively since we're looking at it from that perspective, knowing that is critically important so that we can put a step in between our natural reaction and create a response, which I assume has to come from actually thinking about it and overriding Right. your initial emotional or physical response to something. That's right. If we if we just rely on our body or our, you know, mind, we've got to go to that deeper place of free will. He, you know, Frankel calls it the noetic, it's called spirit, call it your true self, whatever you want to call it. There is that capacity in you um that can transcend your circumstances, that can transcend your fears. That's, you know, supernatural. Go beyond your nature tap into that and stop and choose. Am I going to look at Enneagram three coming back to your type? The ice can enter into your veins. Threes are known for being almost ice cold and, and as, as a way to, to preserve, right? It's self-preservation. It's a battlefield. Can I choose to warm that up? to get more emotion so that I can communicate better with a four or a two who are emotional and they need their financial advisor right now to hear their emotions, to feel their emotions. You may not necessarily be feeling them, but I can choose to go into a more emotional place to relate to this person who needs more of me, of me uh, emotive, you know, emotion. For sure. It makes me think, wondering how some of the great investors might be, sort of in your neck of the woods for your old hometown, say Warren Buffett, what might he be on the Enneagram, would you think, if you had to if you had to guess? I don't even know if I have to guess. I've read that um, he's a five. This is the head okay. the head triad, which is, and they, they make you look warm and fuzzy. Um, so five, six, and seven are, are the head types. And five is really the, it's called the quiet specialist, and it's, or the thinker, it's not surprising. And, you know, like most of the um, Silicon Valley people are over here now. You know, we call them geeks, right? They're, I mean, uh, Elon Musk, right? Is yeah, GFI too. GFI. Definitely five. So, so um, 
you know, they can really just get focused in on, on the, uh, the thinking and they need to really remember to come out of that thinking place and get into their emotion a little more. Um, so bring that side of it, but you would talk to them if you're counseling them from a very cerebral perspective to make sense of it all, to make logic of it all. But again, my wife, Ariella, who's a four doesn't relate to the head types at all. So if you talk to her, like you talk to Elon Musk, you're going to lose a client because she can't hear that. Well, also relating to the client and into our approach as to what the best strategy for that person to meet their long-term vision. We talked before about purpose and vision and other things and trying to understand that and how do you connect the dots of money, soul to the vision. Now you're at, you've added in this extra piece for me since we started doing this of understanding your, your personality, Enneagram, so that you can move along this journey much more effectively because that's really the, the train. I can see that as the train that's helping move along. You have to know what train you're taking. Is it the three train, the five train, the seven train to get somewhere? That makes a big difference, I think. Totally. As an example, as an eight, I am all about control. It's called the active controller in the system I use. And I need to know, and I can defer um, leadership or power to anybody as long as I believe they've got this. So I need you, and you know this, because that, and that's why I work with you. I need to know that Mike's got this. You're in charge. I don't need to know all the facts. I don't want to know the facts. I don't want to know the details. The five does. The six do. They want details. I don't want details. I just want to know that, that um, somebody's driving this bus, and I'm good being a passenger. Now, Ariella, my wife, who's a four, what she needs to know is that she's seen, that she's heard, that she's validated, right? So it's a much more of an emotional connection that she needs. And that's just responding to people in their fear so you can help elevate them out of their fear, get back to solid ground, take a deep breath. But how we get to that breath is going to be very different for each of us. That's uh, like like you said before. It's so critical th those differences. People will make the wrong decisions, and I'll bring it back to investing. Since we started this out with the markets going down, some some people may not take any action when they should. Some people will take action when they shouldn't. Some people won't care. But you have to have the right advisor who is going to make sure that they're looking out for your interest or understand more importantly your goals so they can execute it. Because if you're the Enneagram that has chosen someone to, to drive the bus, if you will, they better be driving the bus in the right direction. That's right. I want somebody who sees me, not a number, not a portfolio number, you know, and this is true in life. Everybody wants to be seen for who they are, not for, and this is why I hate the Enneagram and I also, my program is called Defy Your Enneagram because when people say, I am a three, that's not true. Michael Feiner is all of these. You have all of these in you. You are capable of so much more. You react like a three. I react like an eight, but I don't want to live in reaction. I want to, defy, I want to know my number and I want to defy my number. 
right? And that's what I want to work with somebody. And that's why I love working with you because you help me see my money as an opportunity for growth, not just the portfolio, but I've grown personally in working with you and learning, oh, I'm being triggered right now because the markets are going down. I pick up the phone. You always answer and you say, yes, I hear your fears. I get it. But here's why, you know, I think it's okay. And here's where we're going. And so really feel seen. Well, what I realize about the eight and with you in particular, the reason I love working with you, for example, is that if I do have an idea, you, because you're a man of action, maybe because of your eight tendencies, you're willing to listen to it and take action. There are clients who may not be willing to take action, maybe in some of the Enneagrams, regardless of recommendations during fearful times. That's actually the hardest client, to be honest with you, where I need to work on is when you should be taking action, when the market's going down and getting clobbered. Mm -hmm. I think Warren Buffett will always say this, and I've seen quotes from a a variety of people. You never want to buy, obviously, when it feels worst. And of course, historically, that's always the best time to buy. People of action will buy when the market's going down, if it's recommended, if you can rationalize it. If you have visceral fear and, and, and don't act well in fearful times, you'll miss that opportunity when fear comes because there's opportunity in fear. But I think, that, that's, yeah, but I think that's why we're, I think we have more and more shared clients because somebody just needs to know, right. That that's who they are. That's how, that's how they react. It's not who they are. And so, you know, when I work with some of your clients, um, we get to know their reaction patterns so that when they show up with you, right, they're ready to roll. They're aware when, you know, when the shit hits the fan, oh, I'm going to react like a nine and I'm going to want to be passive. I'm going to want to put my head in the sand. I'm going to want to take inaction. You can take inaction and know yourself. I like that. And by the way, nines really work hard at inaction. So they'll, do everything they can to go around and around the actual important trigger to pull. And if they know that we can help them. No, that's critically important and for investments in particular, so that you can take action when the time is toughest, right. which is usually a good time to do it, but it's hard. Of course, the easiest time is when markets are most expensive. Everyone seems to like to, to buy every, every, I guess it's the crowd, you know, it's, it's the crowd aspect of it. But to your point, not that the markets are that bad right now. I mean, there's been some minor adjustments. So there's a moderate level of just normal fear, if you will, mm-hmm. because these five to 10% changes happen a couple of times a year normally. But a year ago, when the market was down 30%, sorry, two years ago, when the pandemic first hit, the anniversary is coming up in March of 22 mm-hmm. for the March of twenty big crash that that was fear that we haven't seen in a generation almost like inflation mm-hmm. and uh, I learned a lot during that time frame of new fear new levels of fear unknown fear but to, to the point of the fear that we have now of some of these new problems how do we take advantage of the fear by matching someone's soul with deploying their resources 
but you know, it's like training. I imagine I, I didn't serve, and I certainly um, never. I, I honor and respect those who did, so I wouldn't pretend like I know what it's like. But I imagine, you know, that your troops, the training happens before the battle, before the war, right? And so you don't expect them to learn on the job in that particular job. And I would say the same is true with what we're talking about. If you wait till it hits the fan, it's probably not the best time to learn your Enneagram type, to learn your reaction patterns, to study this stuff. Right now, while times are good or relatively good in the market, now is the time to start to study how do you roll? How do you react? And working with me on that and working with you on what are your values? What are your goals? Where do you want to be? In five years, You've, you do this with me a lot. Where do you want to be in five years and 10 years? Let's deal with it now, not five years or 10 years or when it hits the fan. I think you're exactly right, is to work through these scenarios, practice them, talk about them before they happen. So at least there's some context and experience of, hey, we've talked about this 15 times. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it feels different when it really happens, but you have the mental acuity to deal with it at that point, as opposed to this is something completely fresh. I've never even thought about this. I, I can't handle it. So yep. I'm working towards trying to figure out with clients, with your help, how do I get them to understand what Enneagram triad they are so that we both can understand how to react. Cause I don't care about reacting to the markets going up or when things are great. It's easy to do things in life when things are going wonderfully. But like you said, when things go badly or incredibly badly, we want to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, um, you know, as, as you know, I'll share with our listeners, I'm putting together a program called Defy Your Enneagram. And it's um, going to be a resource for people to learn their Enneagram type, to take an assessment, and then to learn strategies. The next step will be to now bring that to your financial considerations so that you have these tools, right? These resources and you're, you don't feel so alone. You know, I know we'll wrap up here in a second, but I want proven strategies. I want to know, what was it? I'm Admiral William Crow who said, in times like these, you can be sure there have always been times like these, right? I want to know that there have been times like these. I want to know that there have been men and women who have navigated times like these. And I want their tools. I want their strategies because we're not pioneering. Like there's nothing new under the sun. We can draw upon past wisdom strategies. Absolutely. Everything rhymes. We've seen it all before. That isn't the issue. We just may not have personally seen it. Mm -hmm. But to, to your point, that's my goal is to have everyone that I work with or plan to work with try to identify their type mm -hmm. so that we can best figure out how to maximize human performance. We don't want human performance to enter into our investment decisions or to affect it negatively, which can happen with fear. Mm -hmm. And that's the real takeaway we have to overcome our fear to have maximum investment performance, which at least in my world, right? If we take it and the fear is not an investment thing, it's a soul thing. So I've got to make sure that fear doesn't enter in as friction into this engine. Yes. Tony Robbins says, 
Fear is an acronym, false evidence that appears real. And in the moment it appears, but we have to zoom out and see the truth. And from a mystical spiritual perspective, truth is enduring, right? Truth was, is, and will be. We got to get back to that place of truth. And, you know, that's what I help clients do as well. Let's get back to what's true, not this momentary glitch, this blip, this intensity of things that are happening outside the world. Right? Let's get back to your truth, your core values. Those are true. Your core principles. That's what, you know, that's what you help people do when they want to pull their money from the market. Well, what, what are our long-term investing principles and strategies and goals? Let's get back to that. Zoom out. So we're going to have, I think, many more podcasts, hopefully more programs, uh, more interaction between us, because, you know, what the work we do on either side of somebody's life are um, so complementary and necessary. It's exciting to be working with you. It's exciting because you just laid out, what are we doing in the long term? How do you do this for investment? And how do you not let your emotions affect that long-term purpose in in the history of how investments work we all know how how that works if we invest for the long term in the right asset allocation and whatnot if you impact that in the short run for market timing and other things because of fear or emotion your rates of return will be reduced and it'll impact your your life so i appreciate your coaching because it helps me better understand that we know how that works. It's how do you do it? Not only me as the advisor to make sure my, my personality doesn't interfere with that strategy, mm-hmm. but also how to make sure who the person's money, that their fears and their emotions don't impact that strategy. So this is so meaningful and so powerful. And there's a real rate of return when it happens properly to, to make it work. There's an intellectual, spiritual, financial ROI, you know, a return on your investment. And I'll end with this, Jim Carrey. Um, we've been, Michael and I offline have been um, learning about Jim Carrey. He's an amazing man who's gone through an amazing transformation in his life. I encourage you to Google or YouTube him. But, um, and yes, the actor, but he walked away from acting. But he says the following, fear is going to be a player in your life, but you get to decide how much. You can spend your whole life imagining ghosts, worrying about the pathway to the future, but all it will ever be is what's happening here. The decisions in that we make in this moment, which are based either in love or fear. And so the work we're talking about is, can you make your decisions based on love, truth, call it whatever you want, meaning, principles, values, and whatever comes from that, in my experience, is always good. And if it comes from fear, ultimately and eventually, it is always bad. So we're going to help you make your choices based in truth and courage and love, not fear. Until the next time, it's an honor, my friend, Michael Feiner, to be uh, in this with you. And uh, I look forward to many more conversations. Thank you. You are the guru. And I look forward to our next podcast next week. Amen, brother. Talk to you then.